you have your Bibles, find John chapter number five with me. Thank you guys for introducing everyone to that song. It comes from a, a group over in Australia, and um, it's funny to me how God works. Um, he's working with his people, and uh, he can just reach down and speak to a couple songwriters, and, and then suddenly he's, he's got the church globally singing uh, on the same note, same words, rejoicing in the same truth. Um, it's a great illustration for tonight. Uh, I once heard someone say that, you know, you, you get a lot of Christian songwriters write songs while they're alive, but none of them have any idea which songs will be sort of timeless, which, one, which ones will be passed on to generation after generation after generation. And, and you really don't know, you know, sometimes a song is for a season in your life or a season in your church or a season of the church, but it just doesn't go to the next generation. And in some songs, you know, you sing, they're a thousand years old, but they still feel very, very fresh. Um, the reason is, is some of these things resonate because the human experience hasn't changed. You know, we're still very broken and very needy. But a lot of these songs that last are expressing something in time about a timeless God that we never, ever get tired of celebrating. Every generation learns it fresh. And so even a very old truth and an old song, like you said, that's, this one's an oldie tonight, but it's still very fresh to us because we're still learning these realities like it's brand new, but it's actually very old. It's brand new to us. And so um, this is one of these ones, John, I found myself saying, Lord, make this for many generations, that we'll just sing this one over and over, that, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, my grandchildren will still be singing this and learning how fresh it is to know that by his love we're accepted. Why? Because he's a good and a gracious king. John chapter number 5, beginning tonight at verse 19, and uh, if, if when we read these, you don't see this as an utterly shocking passage, I have a dare for you. Sit with this passage three or four times every day until it shocks you. If it doesn't shock you up front, sit with it until it does. This should be a hammer to the forehead. It certainly was in its time, and it's timeless, so it should be in our time. John chapter 5, beginning at verse 19, this is how the Bible reads. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Three big letters, I-N-G. What he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does that the son does, likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is what, church? Mm-hmm, doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. 
whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into the judgment, but is passed from life, from death to life. Verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear, his vo hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Father, we humbly ask you to open this passage to our understanding, enlighten us, illumine us, show us your goodness, and even show us the danger of coming under your wrath. In Christ I pray, amen and amen. Now, it's sort of funny what Jesus says here, and if you didn't catch it, uh, I'm not being snarky, uh, please back up and catch it. If you didn't catch it, catch it. He is literally saying he is a contemporary with the Father. He is observing the Father. Uh, and and uh, this would have been the sort of thing that when Jesus said this, every one of those Jewish leaders who heard these things would have been incensed. I mean, totally angry, upset, nerves tore completely up would have been angry to the point that they would have wanted to do violence to Jesus. Why? Because no doubt about it, Jesus is saying he is equal to the Father. This would have been considered strong, strong, strong blasphemy. You want to know how I know Jesus is dead serious here, though? If you look at verse 19, verse 24, and verse 25, three times in a relatively short passage, 11 verses, he says something like, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, I say to you. He keeps saying, I'm trying to tell y'all, you know, serious, uh, you know, if it had been Carabo, she would have said, seriously, seriously. Seriously, seriously. I mean, for real. He is very much wanting the weight of his words to not only be heard, but to be heeded. Not only to be heard, but to be heeded. And so he makes a claim, and he makes it emphatically. I mean emphatically. So much so that before we even get to that, that point that's on the screen, I want you just to set the background in your mind to understand how big this is. To this moment, Jesus has been slipping around to a ministry. I don't want to minimize it by being colloquial or vernacular about it, but just think about it. Just think about it. He, he does his first public ministry at a wedding, and if you remember, it's his mom that's kind of pushing it. You know, he's like, lady, woman, it's not time for all that. And then, you know, he meets alone with a woman at a whale, and after that, He's watching his disciples baptize people, and when it draws too much attention, what does he do? He slides away. He deals with this guy in the temple. You remember that story? You remember he, he, uh, he, uh, 
He did something to the guy, and then, do you remember the little detail? Jesus slipped away into the crowd. Do you remember that? And then rather than going to the guy's house, the official's uh, son, or, or bringing the son to him, he just says, he'll be healed. He's been, he's been slipping and sliding at this point. But this last episode, this, this latest episode uh, in verses 1 through 8 where he's healed the, the guy at the pool uh, on the Sabbath, this incenses the Jewish leaders. Back up to verse 18 in your Bibles. It's not on the screen. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God, and they was mad. They were seeking to kill him. I haven't gotten over the irony of last week's passage yet. Rather than being excited that a guy had been crippled for 38 years was suddenly, wildly, miraculously healed. They're like, who, 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 who working on the Sabbath? I'd like to think I would celebrate what God was doing if I could recognize it as a good that only God could do, I would celebrate it more than I'd be hung up in the how and the why. Somebody say amen. But not only are they not celebrating it, they are incensed. Incensed. And so now Jesus begins to explain something. Anybody watch uh, Game 6 of the World Series this week? Anybody? It's okay if you didn't. So it drove me crazy. Um, couldn't find it anywhere, and finally I was with Craig Willingham, and he was able to sign into something. I don't know what he signed into on his laptop, and we watched it in Spanish. <laughs> and it was the best baseball I've seen, and I don't know when. Uh, it, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, Y'all know what the Spanish word for home run is? It's home run. Yeah. I loved it, but I was a little nervous. Let me tell you what I was nervous. I was nervous that they were going to do the interviews and have, uh, in, you know, do those in Spanish. And I was nervous because if you do that, translation makes everything tw take twice as long. So I start telling Craig, I said, sign into something else. You know, we couldn't watch the game. We didn't have the right TV package. You can't watch the game, but we can watch these interviews somewhere else. We can and the first one we turned over to was a guy from Cuba who was only speaking in Spanish, which was fine. I was just, I was totally excited because I wanted to hear what these guys thought about this achievement. Does that make sense? Here, if you're wondering, if you're wondering, does Jesus know why they're upset? And does Jesus think that it's legitimate that they are upset? Jesus says, turn over to the channel of your language and make sure you catch this. And it's no mistaking what he says. And if I could sum it up, again, I don't want to be colloquial at the expense of reverence. But if I could sum it up, he says, absolutely. I am doing what the Father says because I have the Father's ear. The Father and I are one. And... Um, if I weren't of God and from God, I wouldn't behave like this. And if I am, I can't but help behave like this. This is how I must behave. If I'm legitimately from God, I'm just being myself. And what you guys need to wrestle with 
is how you're going to respond to that. Let me go two points tonight. I know you're not going to believe this. Two points. It'll be an hour each, but two points. First, let's dig a little bit into this reality. Jesus makes an incredibly bold claim. Um, any of you guys seen the updated version of True Grit? True Grit, yes. Uh, no women raise their hands at all, I don't think. Oh, Mandy, thank you. Did, oh, you seen True Grit? All right, I love the John Wayne version, but it's basically a comedy. Uh, and this newer version only has a little comedy in it, right? But at one point, you know, this guy, Rooster Cogburn, he's got a patch on his eye, and he, he is going to take on three gunmen. They're all on their horses. And one guy yells out, that's mighty bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. That's basically what the Pharisees have said. Hey, that's mighty bold talk from a guy from Galilee. And Jesus is like, yeah, it is. And in uh, True Grit, Rooster Cogburn takes on all three of those guys. Bang, bang, bang. He wins. You'll see Jesus comes out all barrels blazing. Just look again very quickly at what he says in verses 19 through 23. I won't read it verbatim, but if you'll allow me just to walk through it in a casual sort of way. He says, for real, guys, for real, I can't do, no I can, I can do nothing of my own accord. Now, Paul's right there. They're thinking about this healing in the temple. They're hearing about the things that have gone on in Cana of Galilee and the, and the other regions of Galilee. They're hearing about what he is saying. They're hearing about this episode in Samaria. What they know intimately, what they know very intimately, is they know what happened in that temple, and they're upset. Their nerves are tore up. And he goes, don't you guys see? If I'm doing what only God could do, God's in it. And so let's say right now that I, I told you all that while we've been sitting here, I've caused the entire building to levitate. And uh, you guys would be incredulous. You're insane. We would have felt that. We would have known. And then let's imagine we assign a couple people to go to each door. And they open the door and they discover we're 50 foot off the ground. And you say, how did you do that? I would easily say, I didn't, God did. Jesus could have let himself off the hook. Yeah, I'm God's guy. You know, you know you've seen the stuff Moses did. Moses didn't do it, God did it. Somebody say amen. Oh, you saw the stuff Elijah and Elijah done, but Elijah and Elisha didn't do it. Who, who did it? God did. None of those guys ever said, oh, absolutely, I'm simpatico with God. But what did Jesus just say? Mia culpa, <laughs> simpatico. Does anybody see how bold this claim is? Hang on, dear. Not only does he say, I'm only doing what God is doing, he says, I'm doing it just like God. And, and he's saying, now this, this is the one that ought to bless your heart. Verse 20. If you, if you can, Mary Lou, if it's not trouble, back up to where we can all see verse 20. Is that, is that hard to do? Th this is the part. John, you talked about you and Blair worshiping with that song this week and just God blessing y'all, bring you tears. And this one broke me down one day this week. Okay, am I supposed to sing that? I want it verse. 
20 in the Bible, not of the age to age. Verse 20, back up one. Wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute, guys. I can handle this. Bainty. Oh, look, it's right. Okay, yeah. Guys, I want you to see this. Why is God doing these things? Because he loves his son. In other words, these miraculous things that people are experiencing, this is, this is the Godhead loving himself. This is love happening in the Trinity. This is love happening in the, 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 uh, the you know, eternal relation. The Father is loving the Son by doing these things and by showing the Son what he's doing. Now, I'm going to do a little code talk for the grown-ups in the room. Y'all ready? If you're ready, say amen. There's this certain time where, you know, people do things and they give, they give credit to this other person. Y'all with me? Say amen. And they say like this, this other person did all these nice things for you. And they, they credit this, this entity. Yeah, oh, you just caught up. Yeah, I, I leave that to every family. I'm not going to spoil this festival time of year. Amen. Somebody say amen. You with me? All right. Your boy never played that. If I done something for my kids, I said, me and your mama done did this. No proxy credit. We've been struggling. We, we want you to know me and your mama been loving each other and loving you. You need to understand this did not come from that. I am not because I'm going to take some stuff from y'all later and I need you to know. <laughs> that love acts. Amen. See, love acts. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know I keep picking on John because, I mean, it really, it touched me as that song touched y'all. Man, this floored me for the father loves his son and shows him what he himself doing. And he says, more, there's more, more of the father loving the son and more works and more revelation to the son out of the father's love. And then the son has said he's going to make his church heirs of everything. The love's coming to us. So when, in a moment when Jesus says, boys, if y'all don't believe me, you're going to bust hell wide open. It is that strong. He doesn't say it that strong. It is that strong. It's not just that they're upset that Jesus is not doing things their way. They're rejecting the Father loving the Son and love coming down to them. So he makes this bold, bold, bold claim here. I mean, it's, it's huge. I, I can do nothing apart from what my father is doing. Now, if you back up just a little bit in the story, these guys, they get totally upset about what Jesus is doing earlier in the Bible. And, and, um, and uh, they, you know, they basically say, you know, hey, uh, hey, uh, who did this to you? We want to know. He's, I don't even know his name, but I'm telling you, he's from God. 
that was the man who was healed's assessment. I don't know who he was, but that came from God. If you fast forward in the story, there's this story in John 9, uh, the blind man. They ask him the same thing, like, hey, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I don't know who he was. <laughs> Later on, Jesus tells him who he was, but he, he said, I don't know who he was. And the, these Pharisees are upset in John chapter 9. I won't go there. I'm res really resisting the urge to go there. Um, uh, if you're a regular East Rocker, only a regular East Rocker could appreciate this. At 20 minutes till 5, I took out 27 slides. <sighs> but... There's this point in John 9, as a matter of fact, it's verse 28 and 29, where people are saying, we're not disciples of Jesus. We're disciples of Moses. And the blind man says, I don't even know where he comes from, but I know I was blind, now I can see. I know this came from God. See, the blind man is marveling in the miracle, and they're missing the love of God. Do you see this? You know, just keep reading your Bible. That's what happens over and over again when people reject Jesus. They fail to marvel in the love of God. They fail to receive the love of God. So this bold statement is that he is God. He's God. And there's a, there's a further bold statement, and he says, not only that, the Father has handed all judgment into my hands. Okay. Okay. Who's ever seen that crazy movie, Truman? Truman. It stars Jim Carrey, and the whole thing is his whole life is a television show, and he doesn't know it. He's born and raised on a, on a television set or a movie set or a set, whatever you call it. And uh, they've made him afraid to, to leave town on the one bridge. And uh, uh, as he grows up, he starts to have suspicions that something is amiss in his world. Uh, turns out everyone is an actor but him. Everyone is an actor but him. Everyone is in the show except him. But just imagine you were in such a world and you couldn't figure out how to get out. Who would you want to know? You'd want to know the person with the truth and the person with the key. Jesus says the Father has put everything, everything into my hand. Now, guys, I want you to believe in me. The works are about you believing in me. The miracles are about you believing in me so that you'll believe when I tell you I have the word, I have the key, I have the life, and I have the judgment, you will see that this has not only been handed to me as the singular outlet to salvation, but it's been handed to me as the singular judge of mankind. Whoa. Whoa. I've always been drawn into stories about the Holocaust that Germany executed. And in particular, I was drawn into the, to the laws that they wrote of how they would justify to the public how you uh, could stop allowing people to shop in certain places and, and sit in certain places and 
and, and all of this stuff. Uh, it's always intrigued me, right? The basic plan was to use up all the monetary resources of families, all of their bodily strength, and then to dispose of them like a disposable diaper. Just to, just to use them up, soil them, and dispose of them. And there's all these stories where people would come into these lines and like this fast, this fast, right? You go this way, you go that way. And so they're just separating in lines and many times they don't know. This way's to life, this way's to death, particularly at Auschwitz. They looked at them very quickly. Could you, could you labor? They, they look at Carson, they say, oh man, he, he still got some chubbiness. He can, we can not feed him for a while and he'll, his body will, well, they look at me and go, oh, he gonna be all right. He gonna live a whole, he gonna make it to World War III. And then, you know, they might look at somebody real scrawny and say, no, they ain't going to make it. We might as well let them go. <laughs> it, it's true. Jesus is telling, you, telling us that at eternity, the power to call the shot on that dividing line is up to him. And it won't be arbitrary. It won't be because of your skin color. Somebody say amen. It won't be because of your level of monetary wealth. Say Amen. It won't be because you have or don't have education. It won't be because of your, your, your class or lack thereof. It will be, it will be this simple. Have we received Jesus or not? So secondly and quickly and lastly, Jesus clearly outlines the reward of receiving and the danger of rejecting him. So he says, and, and don't miss it. Guys, please don't miss it. Verse 19, verse 24, verse 25. Truly, 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 truly. There's a message here that he really wants heard. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes who sent me has eternal life. He who does not comes to judgment, but is passed from life, from death to life. It's not coming to the judgment. If you believe on Jesus, you come past judgment and into life. You're already saying death will not be the end of your usefulness, purpose, and relationship to God. In verse 25, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. He means the dead who are walking around spiritually dead, and he also means the dead in the grave. They'll hear his voice. Somebody say, uh, give me a couple minutes and I'll explain that whole dead in the ground can hear his voice. No, we're not going to tackle that tonight. Life together this week. Work it out. It's here. I, you know, I want to talk all night long about it, but you just don't need to. Jesus says, if you hear my voice, you'll pass through death and the judgment. The church ought to say amen. So what's interesting is uh, how do we know somebody's heard his voice? It's this simple. He actually says it's connected to your works. Wow. Does that mean your works saves you? No. What does it mean? It means your works will reveal whether you've 
heard his voice. Now, I'm confident, I'm confident I could begin to speak in my native tongue right now, and Brett Carver would understand every single word. My native tongue is mumble. I learned English to communicate with the world around me, but my native tongue is mumble. I could begin emitting messages in my native tongue, and Brett Carver would immediately get up and, and go do these messages because he'd be the only one understanding all of them. Brett also speaks mumble. Brett actually speaks mumble jumble. <laughs> but he knows the dialect I speak as well. Right? So, so guys, I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be any of those things. But Jesus says, me and the Father are simpatico. He's given me the power of judgment. If you hear my words, you'll pass through the judgment. And then look down. Look down in verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. What in the world does that mean? It's really this simple. If I tell you guys... If I tell you guys that a train is coming down this track, and I'm telling you, it's going to come twice. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what hour it's going to come. I'm telling you, it's coming twice. Everybody who lines up for the first coming believed me and were ready for the train to make its first stop. Everybody who lines up for the second coming of the train Believe me that it was coming. You know what Jesus is telling us? There were people who believed that the Father would send a rescuer. And they lived a certain way because they believed that rescuer was coming. And now there are people who believe the rescuer is returning. And they live a certain way because the rescuer is returning. Now am I making sense to you? Say amen. And some folks don't believe the train even exists. I would say, brothers and sisters, this passage is much deeper than this. It makes me think of John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, all who received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children, children not born by human parents or by human desire or by a husband's decision to get married and have a wife and have a family, but they're born of God. They're all independent miracles, born of God. And what he's saying right here is if you hear my voice, you're hearing the Father's voice. And if you reject my voice, you're shutting out the Father's voice. And if you have heard the Father's voice, we'll know it because it will alter your life. Now, I hope you got a bulletin. I like to see them all gone. It makes me feel good about printing them and spending the ink on them. But if you've gotten a bulletin in the little sort of pre-sermon write-up for this week, I said something. I don't know exactly how I said it, but I said something to the effect of um, um, this isn't hard to understand. It's hard to accept. <laughs> It's not hard to, to get what he means. It's hard to heed what he means. 
So I want to close with a crazy illustration. Okay. How many of you guys are familiar with the story of Abraham? His name was actually Abram. Later on, he becomes Abraham. Abram means father. Abraham means father of many nations or father of nations. So he gets his name Abram, and he's 75 years old, and he starts to walk with God. Starts to learn to walk with God at 75 years old. Anybody in here uh, uh, under 75 years old, 75 or younger, raise your hand, 75 or younger. Uh, there are a couple of you people who are not sure how old you are. We'll be praying for you. Uh, our prayers didn't work on John's song, so <laughs> there's still some powerful ones laying back. Also, John, I should tell you, you should say we're doing the Alan Jackson version of this song. Yeah, that's definitely Alan Jackson. I love it. I love it. It's sort of a country version. I love it. Um, all right. So imagine at 75, you're just beginning your journey with Jesus. You know how hard-headed you are going to be when you're 75? Just think about how hard-headed you are right now. Uh, at, 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 you know, how old are you, Carson? At 23. Some of us, you can't tell them anything. <laughs> or 50. Right? I mean, we're, I can be hard-headed. How about you? Yeah. How hard-headed are you at 75? At 86, you've never had a child, and God says, hey, you're going to have a kid. Okay, you say, cool, man, I got this brochure on foster parenting. <laughs> this must be the prophecy is coming true. But you've learned a little bit in 11 years of walking with the Lord, and it's no problem if you're 86 and God tells you that. My great-grandfather had his last child at 81. Now ask me how old the lady was. I'm not going to tell you. It's quite scandalous. But if you know what the word inversion means, invert 81. More people knew inversion than I thought. This is in the 30s, y'all. I wasn't born. Don't blame me. I've always thought in this story, because of my personal family history, telling Abram, you're going to have a kid at 86. He's like, bet. <laughs> you run in there and say, Sarah, you're going to be the mom. Do what? And then you know what God does? He basically makes them wait 13 years. You know how, and we got to be really grown up here for a moment for this to really sink in. You, you know how the New Testament in the, in the book of Romans interprets this episode? It says, speaking of Abraham, he never stopped trusting the promise of God. Do you know how you know, you know that you know that you know he never stopped trusting the promise of God? Because they continued the practices that God had given to produce children. They continued to do that which would bring the fruit of childhood. You ever thought about their act of faith was to keep on trying to have kids? You ever thought about that? They waited on God and did what was in their control. Now, honestly, be grown up about this. Somebody say amen. Be grown up. 
what are, what are the things that we're supposed to be doing as we wait on God? It's worth truly trying to discover so that at his return, what we'll hear is, you held fast to the faith. And as you learned to walk with me, as you were learning to walk with me, as you were learning to trust me, it, it manifested in a different sort of life because you're walking with me. What's the flip side of this story? <sighs> Judgment. Eternal death does not mean eternal annihilation. It's not going away. It means eternal separation from the Father and eternal punishment because being out of his presence is a place of agony. You can spell all that out. I mean, I mean the way I would say it is hell going to be terrible. Let the Bible believing folks say amen. I can't imagine wanting hell on nobody. I mean, like literally, I cannot imagine wanting anyone to be in hell. Anyone. And Jesus says here, boys, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that I'm behaving as I am. And hear me, there's going to come a time where behaving as I am will lead to me executing judgment that he has given me to do. You've heard my voice. We'll know it by how you've lived. If you rejected my voice, it won't matter how you've lived. Is this a heavy message? Yes. Yes. But it should also, through the difficulty of repentance, the difficulty of coming into personal revival, it should result in a light result. In other words, if you say to yourself, I've, I've heard his voice. And you say, God, speak for your servant is listening. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. Whatever it means to walk with Jesus and listen to Jesus, that's what I'm interested in. And brothers and sisters, you have the guarantee of life. Not because of my word, because of Jesus' word. Amen? Not because I said it. Don't ever think you got anything because Tim said it. We have life because he said it. So a question for you tonight. Have you received from the Father that Jesus is the single way to peace with him? Have you believed the gospel? And is that evidenced by him being Lord of your life? That voice guiding you, directing you, commanding you. Secondly, secondly, are you entangled I was talking to the veterans yesterday, and I read a passage from 2 Timothy. It said a, a soldier, a Christian soldier, a soldier of the cross, doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs. Read Abraham's story sometimes. He got entangled from time to time and had to get disentangled so he could get back on mission with God. Have you been entangled? Amen? Now, what's great is maybe this is the first time in your life you've heard the voice of God. You hear the voice of God through Jesus, through his 
simple servant telling you what he said. Today is a day that you can turn to God. Believe on his name, believe on his works, and receive him. And the Bible says you'll be adopted into his family, saved from his wrath. You'll have a place in heaven, and the grave won't hold you forever. Many more benefits. That's just my top four today. The altar is yours. Heaven's waiting for you to talk back. Father, thank you for this good word. Thank you that you're loving the son and that love is coming down to the elect. Thank you that you're loving the son and giving him your words. And your words tell us how we can escape the judgment and how we can be victorious over death's sting. Father, I pray that you give us a witness in this community. You give us a witness as a local church. You give us a witness as individuals and as families, and that we would faithfully share the words of Jesus. Father, I pray that just as Jesus communed with the Father and knew what to say, that we would commune with you and know what to say. That the Holy Spirit would guide us, the Scriptures would inform us, and the Lord Jesus would indwell us. And that we might share with men and women and boys and girls the good news that we can escape judgment. And that those boys and girls and those women and men would come to faith in Christ. And that they would receive a believer's baptism and become a part of an own mission family. And that they would live in faithful expectation that our master's coming back. Now, God, lead us in our response. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.